0: the sky look it's a bird it's a plane
1: it's matt spectro through the multiverse hello and thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro, through the multiverse. I'm your host, Matt Spectro. As always, lifetime comic fan, lifetime superhero fan, lifetime animation fan, and you've reached the podcast, exclusively talking comic book animation. Welcome to episode 86. We're not wasting any time. I'm not going over the rules anymore. But at this point, you should know. Every week, I team up with someone, and we talk comic book animation. I'm bringing my guest. He's backed by popular demand. Musician, artist podcaster, philanthropist, entrepreneur you name it. Welcome back to the show, Robbie Sherman.
0: Thank you. Thank you for a little world entrance. I appreciate it, Matt. <laughs> it seems yeah. like you were
1: just you were just here.
0: Yeah, it almost is like I was just here. Pleasure Sorry. to be back, Fred. Thank
1: you. I appreciate you coming back. Um, popular demand. You know, uh, they were
0: we are kind of doing this under a little bit of
1: short nose, but that's yeah. fine, too. Uh, the, my, my DMs were flooded with requests. My my emails, Robbie Sherman must
0: Bring return. that big, beautiful man back onto your bop, my good sir, they said.
1: <laughs> well, last time you were here, we uh, you were pigeonholed a little bit. We were doing a Christmas episode. So this time, I was like, the floor is open. Pick whatever you want. So, why don't you go ahead and share what you picked and your reasoning for doing so.
0: I went back to the 2003 Teen Titans Season 2 opener. How long is forever? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, Before we begin, everyone, I just want to make clear, myself and Robbie were just two guys talking comic books, talking animation, sharing our opinions. That's all it is. If you don't agree with us, that's okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, just two guys talking. That's it. As far as I'm concerned, people, the internet—you can hate Beware of the Batman all you like. You know, it's an open floor there. If you wish, you know. go ahead.
1: Are you a long-time Teen Titans fan? Were you a long-time favorite? Is this something you just remember from your childhood fondly? What's What's your history with the Teen Titans?
0: I mean, like, I think this is probably one of the better comic book cartoons that have ever been made because it's it's streamlined some of the things that make other comic book uh, characters a little messy to adapt in animation for kids without losing its edge uh, <laughs> as a storytelling device and it kept it up for the whole run pretty much and everyone was really frustrated that the the series kind of ended on a cliffhanger and i went through at least most of, if not all of it, while it was airing. Even though I, I'm sure I missed a few here and there because of the scheduling issues, but it was such a good show. Like I, I'm so glad we get to talk about this. I can't keep all the like episode titles in my head anymore because it has been so long since I watched it. But every time I go back to it, it holds up. Like I try to like put this off for a while at a time so when i go back to it it's always fresh like this is a show that doesn't get old for me because i conscious (laughs) consciously space out how i view it every time like i like it that much i think it's that good of a show that i don't want to get i don't want it to become such a regular routine that becomes like muscle memory (laughs) I, i worry about uh ingesting pop culture that way if you know what i'm saying like I think a lot of people get burned out on the things they like because they keep obsessing over them. It's, it's something I try not to do. Well, um, I looked back and um, there was a show
1: where I was on vacation. I had guest host and they talked about this Teen Titans cartoons, but I have never, while hosting my show, talked about Teen Titans. So this is kind of a, not necessarily a first for the show, but definitely a first for your host, uh, your, hosts, your
0: I'm really excited about that. I want want to know how you feel about things. I think this holds up really, really well for being an early, like, all-digital production made in 2000. Well, this is probably about 2004. Well, we're
1: going to get into a little history of the Teen Titans before we get to the cartoon. Teen Titans first appeared back in 1964, Brave and the Bold, issue 54. At that point, almost all the major characters had sidekicks. Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, (laughs) uh, Green Arrow. Um, Even characters like the Sandman had one as well. So they were all there, and uh, the market was changing somewhat, where uh, there was a whole batch of new, younger readers getting back into comics. And DC had had previous success with forming their, their adult characters into the Justice League. And Marvel had success, obviously, with Avengers and Fantastic Four at the same time. So they decided they were going to put all their teen members into one group. The original lineup being Robin, Kid Flash, Speedy, Wonder Girl, and Aqualad. Created by Bob Haney and uh, Bruno Premina. And then they got their own title two years later, Teen Titans Number 1, 1966. Now, obviously, we're both... Even though I'm older than you, we're both too young <laughs> to have been with Titans since the very beginning.
0: No, I no, I cannot. <laughs> <It's> like...
1: <laughs> they had a long run where they, much like the X-Men though they went away and then came back in the 70s. And then they uh, kind of, the, during the, the DC Marvel implosion of the 70s, they went away. But then they came back in a big way in 1980 with the all-new Teen Titans by the legends Marv Wolfman and the late great George Perez who pretty much have defined and pretty much all Titans and other media really is all based on the work of Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Everything from the TV show to Young Justice to Teen Titans Go to this, uh, all pretty much goes back to Marv Wolfman and uh, George Perez. When, and the lineup of this cartoon is pretty much, is almost exactly that original lineup minus Wonder Girl and Kid Flash.
0: Yeah, I gotta say, though, this is my Teen Titans. This was the first uh, time I'd ever been introduced to the characters as a young person ingesting media. And I can't say I bonded with the comics the same way because I I had this so strongly in my head as a young person from that time. Like It felt like such a breath of fresh air watching (laughs) cartoons Like when I saw this thing. It's one of the only... American series, I, I like don't feel it's like lamely appropriating anime tropes. Like I feel its animation is so solid and its designs are so well done that it, it just doesn't like it feels fresh. Like <laughs> especially for the DC universe and when that came out and I was a young kid, it's like wow, this this really rules that uh, they're. I was just starting to ingest anime tropes at that time. I'm not like a super wee, but I've gone through enough anime to know all the chibi stuff that they do in this show. And, uh, that didn't quite rub me as much as I, <laughs> as I, as did the action that happens throughout the show, because I think the action is so well choreographed. And a lot of times they, uh, they get away with a lot of uh, lined backgrounds that kind of go in and out, like so they don't have to animate the full background. And it's a really clever trick, you know that that is very present in anime and uh, a lot of other types of cartoons. I, I don't, it, it's just such a good show. Every time I go back to it, <laughs> I, I cannot tell you enough how much I love this lineup. Scott Minville is. Scott Menville is is maybe my Robin, but I also kind of have the uh BTAS Robin in my head too. He's he's a great Robin and uh, I like a college-age Robin. Uh, <laughs> Robin in this is a little bit more of a kind of stern taskmaster and then like kind of a like mean-spirited brat when he's really <laughs> dedicated to doing something. <laughs> And he's not, a, he's not, he's not thinking about others because he's so uh, single-minded in his pursuits. It's, it's a really strong <laughs> portrayal of the character.
1: Well, back in the early '80s, uh, it got so popular that some months it was actually doing better than the X-Men title, oh, uh, which DC at that point had really nothing they did was. They were doing fine, but nothing they was competing with X-Men. So Teen Titans, when it came out, was actually competing with uh, X-Men. And look at all the characters they created that are still around today. Cyborg, Raven, Starfire, Deathstroke, Trigon.
0: Raven is such a singular character for me. I love like finding, looking into all the mythology and stuff they, they do with her. Tara Strong as Raven, that voice is so iconic in my head too. That's anybody else who does the character and they don't do that. Which I don't think. I don't really know how many people there are that actually do portray Raven throughout the various uh, <laughs> DC properties. I've been watching the live action Titans, and there's a good there's a good portrayal of Raven there. Though it it feels a little strange having her so young compared to everybody else. Whenever I see an older Robin, it just kind of knocks me off when I'm thinking about Teen Titans because I'm so strongly associated with this cartoon in my head.
1: Well, uh, they got so popular that they even seeped into mainstream in the 80s. Cyborg uh, was added to the Super Friends a few years after uh, his first appearance. Uh, They even did three drug awareness comic books featuring the Teen Titans where they uh, warn youngsters about the dangers of drug abuse.
0: Do you think it's ironic that the cartoon they eventually got is, like, probably super cool on drugs? Not that I would legally know.
1: (laughs) Wait, it's bizarre if you've read them. uh, They didn't have Robin in the group. They had Protector.
0: Protector.
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Look him up sometime. He's, like, a super generic-looking character. Um, (laughs) Protector. I think there was some legal thing with because Keebler had sponsored one of them and I think there was some legal reason they couldn't use Robin at the time so he was replaced by Protector.
0: I should get through this. I've never uh, I don't know for some reason I've never gotten into them. I'm sure they're perfectly good. Uh, the Judas Contract movie they made uh, I really enjoyed that a lot like that was great and uh, I, I, of course I like George Perez I mean he's Fantastic artists.
1: Oh, man. What a good artist! So let's uh, fast forward to the early 2000s. A superhero animation had come back in a big way in the 90s. Uh, this is the first DC animation of that time, since 1992, that was not considered part of the DC Extended Animated Universe. It's a separate animal from Justice League, Superman the Animated Series, Batman the Animated Series.
0: They have a completely made-up city for this uh, iteration of the Teen Titans called Jump City, if I remember reading correctly. That sounds like a really unexciting name, but I also think it kind of harkens back to like the way anime has like very short names, like very punctuated names.
1: It uh, could be uh, Titans had been both off Manhattan and San Francisco, depending on what version you're reading. So we're going to. Uh... 2003, the Teen Titans cartoon started on uh, Cartoon Network, Warner Brothers Animation, developed by uh, David Slack, Glenn Murakami, and Sam Register. Ran uh, 2003 to 2006, and it was a mix of anime, kind of jokey stuff aimed at kids, but also with a lot of serious uh, themes, especially when you compare it to the later Teen Titans Go
0: it does have kind of a um, like an older skewing animation influence in the uh, show *Fooly Cooly*. If you if you look at those two shows and you think about the way they do their art styles, it's very. <laughs> it's very close sometimes, and uh, <laughs> I also uh, I think it's very appropriate because that's a coming of age story <laughs> about a young boy who's uh, going through his sexual awakening, and these are all teenagers <laughs> going through their uh, going through their prime years of blossoming. <laughs> well, um, it never gets raunchy like that, but no, it but but the the team like theme is really good. And the animation style works so well for it.
1: I found an interesting quote from uh, Glenn Murakami where he said that uh, when developing the show, and this you're younger than me, so you might be able to relate to this. He said they kind of strayed away from secret identities because they said, uh yes, it was important um, that little kids watching could identify and project themselves on all the characters." And that was their main reason for kind of avoiding, mostly for the most part, having secret identities.
0: And I think that that helps a whole hell of a lot in the storytelling because you don't have these crazy long arcs taking up insane amounts of exposition, and you can really pace the stories very well. You have like you generally have one or two little uh, villains that pop up, and they just they just do a really good job of building up stories that have simple premises that they execute flawlessly. I
1: just think it's a good idea because I know you hear a lot about seeing yourselves in representation, but I, you can disagree with me you want. I think that's more important for stuff aimed at children because children, while you're growing up, I don't care who you are, male, female, white, black, gay, straight, you're all, we're all as children, you're always, you're struggling to find your identity. So, so I yeah. think it's actually a really good thing to try and design it in a way that any kid could project themselves on these characters.
0: And they really pulled it off well in in like the balance of their dialogue, because I never feel like the dialogue is talking down to a child. I often think it's very complex in the way they set up the dialogue between the characters in a way that resonates with older audiences as well. Well, speaking of
1: dialogue, this was the debut of... The cyborg catchphrase, "Booya!" Oh. Well, not this particular episode, but the cartoon, I believe, is the first time I know of him ever saying Booyah. Uh,
0: I, I didn't know that at all. I'm perfectly okay with the Booyah. I, I'm fine with it. I, I don't understand the "Booya" haters. I know there was some controversy about the Booyah in the big Justice League movie.
1: <laughs> certainly was.
0: I don't uh, I don't want to say that guy had to be forced to say it, because he was a perfectly fine cyborg without ever saying that. Like, that guy earned his role. Ray Fisher, excellent actor. I was really impressed with the humanity he brought to Cyborg.
1: Thing on that one is, I wasn't there, so I don't know. But I, I can understand why they're thinking mass marketing. Most people know Cyborg and their catchphrase. I don't know why he was so... Against saying it, I don't know why it was such a hill to die on for him not saying "booyah."
0: It might be uh, a number of things. It might be like uh, because it's part of the cartoon and it feels like a thing you would say in a cartoon, like it's a catchphrase, you know, to a degree that feels corny. You know, it feels maybe demeaning to say that as an actor. You know, to be put in a position where you have to say this cartoon catchphrase.
1: Yeah. And you're
0: trying to. When you're trying to turn the character into your own thing, and that's part of your job to do that.
1: <laughs> so, regardless, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is where Booyah, and, and uh, that led to a lot of controversy. <laughs> um, And it ran for, uh, I believe, five seasons.
0: Yeah, which I found incredible when I realized that.
1: <laughs> and uh, there's been a lot of uh, debates, I found, looking into this of why it went off the air. Some of the people at Warner Brothers claim that five seasons were all they ever were going to do. They never were going to do more than that. Why did they
0: uh, end it on a cliffhanger?
1: <laughs> uh, that's the thing. It's, yeah, it's weird. Someone said also that season four was deemed too scary, and that led to lower ratings for the fifth nah. season.
0: <laughs> nah. Keep it going. Uh,
1: another theory was uh, Bandai had the toy licensing for the show. And then Cartoon Network had made a deal with Mattel to be the official licensee for Cartoon Network. And that conflict of interest is what caused them to stop producing the show. And then there's Will Wheaton, that said a story about it kind of abruptly just happened and other people dispute that they knew in advance. So I did a lot of looking into it, found a lot of theories and reasons, but I can't find a definitive reason why they stopped doing the show. But like you said, it did end in a cliffhanger and a lot of people were really mad for a long time about the show ending.
0: I'm still a little mad, honestly. I'm still a little mad that I live in a world where Teen Titans Go exists, but this didn't get new seasons. Like, I, okay, look, Teen Titans Go has plenty of good material. Of course, we got the same voice cast from that. The Teen Titans Go movie was perfectly fine, and I had a good time with it. But it just does not satisfy the the urge for more of this. Like, I want, God, I want more of this. There's more anime in the world than I can handle, but this is why I really want. Actually,
1: did they? Did, I know they did the movie Teen Titans versus Teen Titans Go. Did they resolve the storyline in that? Oh,
0: uh, I didn't even watch that. I, I don't <laughs> think they did. <laughs> I, I didn't even. Yeah, I don't know. I just I watched the like the movie in theaters because it was the only thing in theaters that was worth going to see at that time, and it was pretty good and better than i expected it to be and generally funny and it could use a little less music but other than that it was pretty good thing is uh
1: i know a lot of people are in the camp of really hating teen titans go and, and blaming <laughs> the teen titans for not existing anymore but it's crazy because teen titans go has lasted way longer than this it's actually the longest longest running DC animated series <laughs> of all time.
0: I don't know if the toy thing is the reasoning behind it. Then that would make sense why this Teen Titans iteration couldn't come back if Bandai still has the license for it. Because Teen Titans Go, I guess, could be marketed as a separate series. I would imagine. It's also
1: weird for me because
0: my introduction
1: was my stepsons. When I met them, were both in grade school. I think. Like second and fourth grade so they used to watch teen titans go all the time back then so i i was introduced to that before i was introduced to this teen titans cartoon
0: i want to iterate that i do not hate it like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like talk down about it as the worst thing ever hey i got a freakazoid reunion out of that 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 was kind of cool i've seen that and that that was good enough for me to justify two Titans Go existence. <laughs> That'll be a special episode of my upcoming Freakazoid podcast. So
1: we're going to go back to January 10th, 2004. How long is forever? Written by David Slack, directed by Alex Soto. I'm not, we're going to get into a bunch of spoilers, but if the whole point of this story is a, is a, is a future Of the DC Universe, which would take place now, I did the math in 2024. So we're almost to the future of where Starfire goes in this episode. Now, is this your favorite episode or is this just one that's popped into your head when you uh, were deciding which Titans to review?
0: I I thought about Date with Destiny, but I'd seen that too many times. And I've already, I, I ended up having to watch it again because my dad wanted to watch it. But either way, <laughs> I had been thinking about it too much. And I also remembered, like, man, what's, what's something kind of weird and dark in this show? And this, uh, this episode definitely qualifies for that. I think it's a really mature episode for a, <laughs> a kid's cartoon. It even has a couple of moments that are kind of shocking in how they portray things. And I... I just remember watching it the first time and being truly affected by it. Like, I had had a I had a... Even the Batman the Animated Series, there were, there were a few episodes that, like, I didn't think got as dark as this did in a couple of places.
1: I kind of have a love-hate relationship with future stories and alternate versions of the universe because they're kind of neat to see different interpretations, but inevitably what happens a lot is then they try to incorporate these future versions and alternate versions and they keep coming them back. And so I like it, but sometimes it should be just left alone as a one-off.
0: This one does such a good job of closing up this time loop nonsense. Like, uh, yeah, I, I really admire this episode. It's such compact t- storytelling and they don't let the, uh, time travel become unmanageable to the point where you don't have a story anymore. I'd say the
1: biggest example, and I'm going to go off on a tangent a little bit, is uh, there's an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where, uh, I can't remember her name, Cordelia wishes Buffy never came to Sunnydale, so a demon grants her wish, and like there's an evil vampire Willow who's great on the episode, but they couldn't leave well enough alone. Of course, later on, they had to find some excuse to bring evil Willow back, and they went to the well, and it's like, sometimes these... One and done is, is the way to go.
0: <laughs> that is when you're getting into Back to the Future, the animated series shenanigans. Oh, God, yes. Nobody wants that.
1: All right, we're going to go through the voice and uh, creative rights. Well, not creative rights. The, the creator credit, cre- credit, I should say. It's okay, Wayne. <laughs> so we have Robin, who uh, this is the original Robin, Dick Grayson, created by Bill Finger, Bob Kane, Jerry Robinson. You had mentioned earlier, Scott Menville uh, does his voice. I looked it up. Very first voice acting he did was back in 1979, an episode of Scooby Doo and Scrappy 2.
0: Hey, he rolls. I love Scott Menville. Well, this that guy, guy has been... He sounds like that. He's, been, he's old when he did this. He was like in his <laughs> 50s or something. Like, wow.
1: <laughs> when he, he would be 32 when he first voiced Robin back in 2003.
0: Oh, okay, so he's not that old. Okay. He's Now old. he's like
1: 50 or 51. Yeah, but, okay, I,
0: but... I, 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 okay. <laughs> never mind. That's my bad, Scott Bidwell. <laughs> I love you, buddy. I don't
1: think you're that old. Yeah, he was seven years old when he uh, first did any voice acting, and it was on Scooby-Doo and Scrappy 2 back in 1979. Beast Boy, created by Arnold Drake and uh, Bob Brown, uh, Greg Sipes, Does his voice. Uh he's done him in many, many things. He's also done the voice of uh Iron Fist and some of the uh I think it was Spectacular Spider-Man, but it might have been unlimited Spider-Man. He was the voice of Michelangelo in the 2012 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well.
0: Yeah. Good good voice (laughs) actor. Yeah. (laughs) This is a
1: rare case well, not rare for a TV show. In a movie it would be rare, but all of these people are pretty much they've done a lot of regular acting, but but these guys are all famous, like highly skilled voice actors that worked on this show.
0: Yeah, this show was one of the things that made me take notice of some of these people too, because I hadn't been thinking about voice actors before that as well.
1: Now going forward, everybody else I'm mentioning was created by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. So I'm not going to individually say it for everyone. Everybody I mentioned going forward created by Marv Wolfman, George Perez, starting with Starfire, Hayden Welch does her voice. Done so much different things. She's Princess Bubblegum on Adventure Time. God uh, She had voiced uh, Harley Quinn on the Batman Assault on Arkham Asylum. Oh. Yeah, so she's uh, done quite a lot. Cyborg, Carrie Payton does the voice. Uh, he's King Ezekiel from The Walking Dead. Uh, cause, so he does do live action acting as well. Uh, but he also voiced Aqualad and Black Manta on Young Justice.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff, Young Justice. I like that show.
1: <laughs> Um Now, I've often. Is that newer, Young yeah. Justice? Is that a continuation of the old series? Because I've only seen a little bit of the first season of the first season of Young Justice.
0: Okay, well, yeah, but it, it's the same show. They've just been continuing it and developing the characters forward. Yeah. Okay.
1: Because he does. Yeah, Young Justice. Uh he he does Aqualad and Black Manta on the old one and, and the new one. Now Raven, the great Tara Strong, probably the the greatest female uh, voice actress probably of all time. Not only has she done numerous superheroes, uh, she was Timmy Turner on Fairly Odd Parents, Bubbles on the Powerpuff Girls, Dill Pickles on Rugrats.
0: Tara Strong has been in my life probably more than either of my parents ever have been, honestly. Now that I think about it, like all, the, all the TV I've seen with her in it, like, oh God.
1: She's also the singing voice of Meg Griffin on Family Guy.
0: I didn't know
1: that. Yeah. Originally, originally, Mila Kunis had done the singing on some. Of, if you watch some of the older episodes, but even by her own admission, she's terrible at singing. So later on, Tara Strong does it. The singing when Meg Griffin sings, as well. She's been on. She's been on Rick and Morty. She's been on American Dad. I mean, you name it, she's been on. It. The villain Warp, originally part of the Brotherhood of Evil, uh, he's uh, voiced by Xander Berkeley, who has done a lot of uh, regular acting as well as voice acting. He was uh, Gregory on The Walking Dead. Um, he played uh, John Connor's stepfather in Terminator 2: Judgment Day
0: wow what a credit wow that's awesome
1: <laughs> but he's also done voices on the Mighty Ducks cartoon Gargoyles Superman the animated series
0: do you um, like that Mighty Ducks cartoon? the cartoon
1: I've I've never honestly until I met my wife and her stepsons <laughs> play hockey that's the first time i ever even saw the movie the Mighty Ducks whatever. <laughs> so I've never seen the cartoon
0: Oh man, the, the the promotions I saw for that, I was like, nope, I'm never watching that. He also was on the Life with Louie
1: cartoon. Yeah. Oh my
0: god, I remember <laughs> that thing.
1: <laughs> and uh, I believe he was Mysterio on Spectacular Spider-Man.
0: Oh, okay, good man. So,
1: going into this, it's odd to me that Warp is carrying is these <laughs> member of the Brotherhood of Evil is just a solo villain on this i never knew him to be that powerful but i guess we're going to wait and see
0: he doesn't even really that powerful he just kind (laughs) of like goes in and out of stuff while shooting lasers
1: (laughs) so on that note we're going to take a break and then me and robbie are going to come back and well we're not going to we're going to come back after we watch teen titans how long is forever don't go anywhere we'll be right back I'm Robin, leader
0: of the Teen Titans. Titans, go! Defending the Earth? That's the easy part. If you want a real challenge, try living in a giant T with four total slobs. We'd never survive without my leadership skills. I don't even know why you're on this team. That makes two of us. I quit. What? Who was being a jerk?
1: Teen Titans, a new series about fighting the truth, justice, and the last slice of pizza. On your Saturday, July 19th at 9, only on Cartoon Network. Get ready for the Mighty Ducks! On and off the ice, they're the toughest ducks you'll see. That's our target. Disney's Mighty Ducks, ABC, Saturday mornings this September. Fox Kids is the place to meet. All right. Cause Louis let you lose five days a week. Yeah, that. It's a vacation treat with that Anderson B. Hey, Kiddos, it's sweet. Whoa. Watch a week of life with Louie starting Monday on Fox Kids. When the show is over, the game begins. We did it! Oh yeah! Their fate is in your hands. Titans go! Available now on Game Boy Advance, rated everyone ten and up. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. back and hopefully like us you just watched teen titans how long is forever and i gotta say the uh i'm digging the theme music it, it, it reminds me of teen titans go i don't know if teen titans go
0: knocked is a knockoff of it but uh i'm digging the theme song i'm gonna tell you something about this theme song for me it's one of the few unbridled sources of dopamine i have left in my life <laughs> I could literally listen to this thing over and over again, like for the rest of my life, and not like be like done with it. Like it's so good. Uh,
1: uh, the animation style, you know, I I I'm digging it. It's not as different from Teen Titans Go as I was expecting it to be. It's uh, you could definitely see the character designs in Teen Titans Go are 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 definitely borrowing and influenced by this. Uh, it's kind of an anime style, but a little bit less cartoony.
0: Teen Titans Go is like if all the chibi bits in Teen Titans were just turned into their own cartoon. And I don't even think it's unappealing as a show. I just want more Teen Titans like this.
1: Well, some people have told me when I've defended Teen Titans Go that they're mocking and trolling the Teen Titans fans. Would you agree with that, (laughs)
0: assessment? Oh, man, how pitiful. No, I don't. You, You know what? Look, I... There's probably a point in me that, like, really wants to say, like, yes, we should get rid of it. We should bring back these Teen Titans. But no, Teen Titans Go is a perfectly serviceable cartoon. It has a lot of funny stuff going on in it.
1: So we open with uh, Titans Towers where Starfire wakes up very happy, sneaking around with gifts. And I got to say, it's a very different interpretation of Starfire. Um, Nothing like, really, the comics or the TV, the live-action show, but it it works for both this and Teen Titans Go. I I like her take on Starfire.
0: I got to tell you, as a young man, when I discovered, like, the usual Starfire design in the comic books, couldn't have been happier.
1: (laughs) So, uh, she, uh, goes in the room and says, uh, Happy Borthog? was that what it was? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it's called. Uh, it's, it's such a funny word. And she has all these bells and like weird decorations and she's planning on making like food for them. It, it's so adorable like it, it, if it was another character it might seem odd, but like because she's so naive about Earth <laughs> and how earthlings like function, it's always like really charming. To see her interact and try to bring her culture to them.
1: Well, I think because the original character, the the Tamarins were kind of like very open about sex and physicality and whatnot, to the point where they didn't even see what the hang-up was. So I think their logic was, well, we want to tap into the na- naive, na- naivety, how do you say it? Naivety, that's how naivety.
0: I say it. Yeah.
1: Nayavate. Uh, like there we go. They want to tap into that. Crunchy. Without without the sex and her being half naked.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like they don't have to make her like sexy. Um, they didn't make like her design like ugly or anything. Like she's a very, very cute, like anime girl design, you know, but they didn't oversex her. No one's
1: really paying attention to her. Robin's listening to a boombox, uh, cyborg and beast boy are fighting over a video game. Uh Raven is like I think she's reading a book if I'm not
0: mistaken. Yeah, reading a book, tuning them out. And we find out that uh
1: Blorthog is the Tamarin or Tamarin day of friendship. Celebrating friendship. Even though they won't pay attention to her, she says that uh this uh not celebrating it would uh cause a, a rift in their friendship and might make them drift apart. And uh they still kind of they blow
0: her off. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I really love all the Beach Boy and Cyborg fighting in the way, like, Beach Boy and Cyborg become these little minifigures that run across the screen. <laughs> and then eventually Raven and uh, Robin start bickering, and that's uh, very pointed and funny to me. And uh,
1: I think it's Robin who says that, uh, not to worry, we're going to be friends forever. And then uh, they hit the opening credits. Spoiler alert! The uh, what happens in this episode is very conveniently timed with her being worried that their friendship is going to end. It's so, <laughs> very, uh, very convenient that that happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, but you know that's that's part of the storytelling we're doing here, Fred.
1: So then we get our first glimpse of Warp, who's stealing something from the museum now. Design-wise, he's very similar to Warp from the comic books, but let's some Warp comics that I've missed. They've kind of change this character's entire backstory and powers like to a ridiculous level. This version is from a hundred years in the future and the warp I remember could cause portals that would literally warp you into another dimension, but this guy can fly, can shoot lasers, <laughs> has ice powers. You name it, this guy's got it. I, uh,
0: I like this idea of warp as a veritable Rook Sanchez. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's a pretty good, uh, <laughs> accurate description because he seems to have Every power that's uh that's needed for the particular situation.
0: Come on, Kessar. We gotta go back 100 years. 100 years of Warp. Warp,
1: So he's, he's trying to steal the clock of eternity. This ends up uh, having a big fight with the Titans where the fight scene is cool. It's great, all the things that happen, but not something I ever pictured happening. Warp taking on the Titans by himself. I thought Warp was French in the comic as well, but I might be wrong about <laughs>
0: Uh, I didn't want to say it, but I was feeling a little bit of a French B.O.T. kind of thing <laughs> going
1: on with it. But I guess they figure so many times in cartoons when someone tries to sound French, they end up sounding like a caricature of a French person, so maybe that's why they dumped it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I like how pithy and British he sounds. It's a good vocal yeah. performance.
1: And uh, he's about to escape through the warp, but Starfire, she doesn't let him go. She chases him right into the warp. Which closes behind her, and uh, they go through like this, Mister Peabody, Mister (laughs) Peabody and and Sherman type dimension with all these clocks and. (laughs) Oh
0: no, Mister (laughs) Warp!
1: And she ends up breaking part of Warp's device. She lands in like a big pile of snow, like freezing. She doesn't know what's going on, but Titans Towers are there, and it looks like it's abandoned. When she goes in, it looks uh. It looks like it's pretty much no one's been there the whole time. She thinks she finds cyborg, but it's just like a kind of an empty shell at, uh, with some weird robots in there.
0: Yeah, and then he ends up coming up and he's he yells, "Yo, you know, like what's happening? Like what are you doing?" And they realize it's who it is.
1: He is aged, and uh, he makes a comment that they haven't seen her since the events of that time. So I do like the idea of uh, there's not another Starfire running
0: around. I really like the older Cyborg model. I mean, it it definitely looks age, you know, but there's also, like, still the, like, shape of him in his prime there.
1: (laughs) He says that things haven't gone well since they left. The Titans are, they're history. They're no more. They're not even friends anymore. He's actually got all these plugs, and he's, you find out he's tapped into a power source in the tower. So, like, that's the only thing keeping him going. He can't leave the tower anymore, which... Gotta say, is a little. Uh, <laughs> it's good story purposes for for a
0: younger audience. It's
1: a. It's kind of a gut punch right there.
0: It is, and uh, when I was younger and, and thought about that, I was like, "Oh man, can he like get food? Like, how does he even eat food? I don't know if he eats food. Like, <laughs> it really opened up a lot of questions in my head that they didn't answer at all. <laughs> they didn't really need to. It didn't matter to the story.
1: She thinks it's Warp's fault that this has happened because of uh, him changing the past. He says he knows where all the Titans are except for Robin. She's going to have to find him on her own. But he can't leave the tower to help her because of the power source. Then we find Beast Boy changing into multiple animals. Uh, a seal at one point. A panda bear. He's in a cage performing.
0: At a classical fruit show. Yeah, in fact, it's the...
1: One Man Zoo, Freakish wonder is what the sign says.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty much it. <laughs> A freak show reference. Um, when I was younger and I didn't know as much about the history of freak show things, that was one of the first things that like put that imagery in my head because I didn't know about the history of exploitation and freak shows and carnivals.
1: He's getting laughed at and, th- and humiliated and they're throwing snowballs out on these two kids who if you've ever read The Dark Knight Returns, these little kids look like young versions. Yes, the I movie. wanted to
0: say it, but I didn't know if it'd just be like a thing that way down the conversation. Yes, they look so much like the puns from there. I like that this has become like a dystopian in that that way. When he turns human, I kind of like, thought
1: this was a nice touch where he's got a pot belly and he's going bald, so uh, he's like yeah. visibly aging and. Even when they have heroes age in comics, they still look super jacked, like a, like the physique of like twenty year old. So it was refreshing to see that the ravage of time actually was physically there. You could see it.
0: He looks like somebody's sad uncle. That's great.
1: He says he's in the cage voluntarily because he wants to be kept safe from everything that's out there.
0: Yeah, because he tried to be a solo superhero and was getting his ass handed to him all the time. And now he's like afraid of all the people that he made enemies with and he doesn't want that coming after it. <laughs> Which so is a she, fascinating idea for a, a series on it's so own. I'd like to see that.
1: She tracks down Raven who's dressed all in white in a whole uh, white room. Seems very depressed. Even screams at her to go away. I kind of like, it's kind of weird because you don't know what's going on, but I kind of like that in the same way. I feel too much in these future and alternate stories is, You get all this exposition where they've explained what's happened. I kind of like the idea of kind of leaving it. You don't really know what's gotten Raven to this point in time.
0: They let all the emotions do the talking, and it makes for very effective storytelling. Because by only showing these emotional reactions between the characters, you get a lot of show and not telling. Which, which personally, I prefer in a filmic media.
1: Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, maybe we're giving them too much credit, I don't know, but no, uh
0: man, when I was a youngster and I saw this, it really resonated with me because I was always really depressed and sometimes I just like I couldn't interact with people, I couldn't deal with people. I just wouldn't want people to be around me. And sometimes I'd like get frustrated with them tell them to leave me alone, you know, in a forceful manner. So seeing this like actually portrayed on a screen was eye-opening to me as a youngster. Yeah, I I think it's really effective.
1: So she's wandering in the city. She's kind of depressed. She does get attacked by Warp, who shows up. He's also aged, so he's been trapped as well. He's trying to get his device back. But he explained to her. he said, Silly girl, there's nothing wrong with your past. History cannot be changed. I always stole the clock of eternity. It disappeared in the future, so that's the only reason I came back. So... Heavily implication that time is it's not linear it's all happening at once so it's already happened so he's not actually changing anything which is an interesting concept uh there's been great debates over the years over if you can change the future if you do it like they did in end game or is it like back to the future or is it like time cop so i think it's an interesting idea it's similar to uh H.G. Wells' uh, interpretation back in way back in the in the story of the time machine.
0: If it was like Back to the Future, I would hope it would be a situation where I could end up with Leah Thompson, and she <laughs> and she also wasn't my mom. You know, like if I could have my cake and eat it too, that'd be sure awesome.
1: <laughs> Nightwing saves the day. This is pretty cool because uh, he's got the costume, he's got the long hair. To my knowledge, is the the first and only appearance of him as Nightwing on this cartoon.
0: I love it. I love a long-haired Nightwing that made him look very sleek in his outfit. It's looking good.
1: He takes him to a headquarters. Similar to the Batcave, I'm assuming he's taken over the Batcave, even though it's not stated outright. He's got some of the old Robin costumes hanging up on display as well.
0: Yeah, that was a nice touch.
1: Um she says that she's kind of depressed there's nothing they can do and uh Robin says so he's saying it's impossible and he says that's all right because we've done the impossible before and then he pulls out the old Titans communicator and he said he held on to this just for a situation like this
0: Yeah Scott Menville really sells that we've done the impossible before line Oh man yeah, he does a great
1: job of sound sounding like Robin, but sounding older at the same time. So
0: uh, Yeah, I really like the slight grit in the voice, definitely. So they go to all the Titans who
1: their communicator lights up. And then we're back at the museum with uh, Starfire and uh, Nightwing confronting Warp, having another fight. And this is, of course, where Warp's pulling out jetpacks, rockets, freeze rays, you name it. He's doing anything you could think of. And then uh, out of nowhere, Cyborg shows up recharges, recharge, blasts
0: him, and says, Booyah! The satisfying booyah. Yeah.
1: Beast Boy shows up as a lion. Even uh, Raven shows up. They're a team again, facing off with warp.
0: Not to cut the tension for us, friend, but do you think Beast Boy is a relatively larger lion? I'm sorry, what? Like, do you think because Beach, Beach Boy has gotten a little older and maybe isn't quite in the same shape he was as a younger man that he's a relatively larger lion than he would be as a...
1: <laughs> so he's like a chubby lion, basically?
0: He <laughs> should have problems. Then uh,
1: he looks at Nightwing's hair and says, Dude, that is so unfair. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> that was
1: so good. Ends up Nightwing ends up doing this great bit with the the orangs and damaging Warp's equipment
0: he rolls in this uh, so good
1: causing his uh, device to backfire and warp deages to a little baby
0: what did they do with that
1: baby? Yeah, it does beg a question what happened?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's a children's go to. Let's keep it going. We got, we got time.
1: <laughs> Starfire said, you know, they're like, you got to go back. And she's like, is there anything I can do to change it? Nightwing says, I'm sorry, Starfire. There just isn't time. And he hands her the clock of eternity as she goes back through the warp. And she gets through the warp seconds after she disappears. And she has a revelation. She's holding the eternity clock. She actually did change history because warp said that it just disappeared. It was gone forever. So if she can change that, she can change anything. And she believes their friendship will last into the future. And uh, after she explains them all, they're all on board and they're going to celebrate Blorthog which Beast Boy says, I thought it was Blortthog. <laughs> and they all have the, the whistles and bells and all the thing and all celebrating. And then a nice touch, the final line of the episode as Robin looks at Starfire says, so, Nightwing, huh?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Perfectly to cap that episode up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> End credits. And there you have Teen Titans, How Long is Forever.
0: You forgot like, to mention the uh like credits where it's nothing but puffy yami gun.
1: <laughs> so uh there you have it, Teen Titans. How long is forever? Gotta say that yeah, great way to go out there, anime. We're gonna get into official ruin in a minute, but uh how long had it been since you've seen this episode?
0: Probably a good three or four years. I uh This is, like I said earlier, this is a show I kind of space out between viewings because I never want it to get old. It never does get old when I watch it. Like, the way they portrayed aging on this episode was mature without, like, talking like, children can understand, like, these symbols of aging, like, maybe because they see it in their parents or their older siblings, and every, you know, a, a regular adult doesn't have to Feel bad about watching it because they don't ever talk down to you in the storytelling of it. You know they just present how these people deal with this new future without Starfire, and it's it's such a great emotional and moving episode. Also, that white cloak Raven that left such an impression on me when I saw it.
1: One thing I've got to give it a lot of credit for is there's a there's good kind of nods to stuff if you've read the comics that doesn't take away from the story. And if you're a kid not reading the comics, it doesn't, like, it's not, it's not anything going to go over your head or, like, leave you in the dark. So it's, uh, they found a good balance of fitting the cartoon with some stuff from the comic and not having it seem jarring or out of place.
0: Yeah, and that was uh, another thing I liked about this show so much. They found a way of treating the comics as a source material without actually, like, uh, you know, bungling up fan favorite stuff you know and making it unrecognizable while i I really can't say enough how much i like the show thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk about it (laughs) any experience i have with the comics and the comics fans are generally into it on the whole well on that note we're going to go over to our ranking
1: system the spectrometer Anyone new to the show, Spectrometers, is where we rank what we just saw. Zero being absolute garbage, four Spectros being it just doesn't get any better. Robbie Sherman, how are you going to rank Teen Titans? How long is forever?
0: I'm going to give it a solid four. I don't feel bad about saying that. It's a perfectly excellent animated cartoon uh, episode. It, it deals with mature things in a way that are not like Intensely traumatizing for its younger demographic that ha- that's trying to appeal to, while also being mature enough to show to adults and be relatively entertaining. Like it's, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, you know what? I
1: think I'm gonna go. Uh, I think I'm gonna go four as well. I'm. Uh, I was thinking originally three and a half, and then I was trying to think of what would I be taking a point off for and. In- really isn't much to take off. The animation is solid. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but uh, I think it works. Uh, characters are great. The voice acting is tremendous. The music, I like the story. I'm, it's not dumbed down. I think it's a intelligent story about friendship and, you know, I guess maybe lost time would be the phrase I'm thinking of, without seeming dumbed down or stupid or childish. It's, it's a solid show. I'm going to probably uh, try and watch more of it.
0: It's a really concise uh, time travel story, too. Like, I can't stress enough how good it is that they close out that time travel loop at the end. And they they kind of take care of the villain in a way that's nonviolent violent And you could make further stories with him down the line i guess if things worked out but you also don't need to (laughs) you you know like you can just kind of dispose of this guy he's a perfectly fine villain of the week he has enough personality to carry his portions of the episode
1: yeah and i like how they, they didn't try and be uh sometimes with time travel people try and be a little too clever for their own good they didn't they didn't fall into that trap. Uh, I love
0: it. Starfire, she goes out into history, and then, like, two minutes later, you see her come in, and everything's fine, and we get to have a new future, and it closes out that time loop so perfectly. I'm so glad they didn't have it where, like, she met her present time self, or whatever you would describe that crap as.
1: Well, there you have it. Uh, not only a rare occasion of host and guest agreeing completely also giving it a pretty much a perfect score. Well, what did you think out there? Did you like it? Well, you, you might've liked it just as much as us, but you, you might've liked it less. Uh if you did, that's okay. You know, me and Robbie liking it and you not liking it does not take away <laughs> from you liking it. So uh, if you didn't like it or liked it less, feel free to go to his Twitter or my Twitter and uh, let me know what you think. You can find me at Matt Spectro. Follow me while you're there. And you can find me on Facebook, Matt Spectro, through the multiverse.
0: Hear ye, hear ye, negative Nancy's. <laughs> Robbie, I want to thank you for
1: uh, coming back so quick and uh, joining us a second time.
0: Thank you so much for having me back. Conversations with Robbie Sherman's my show for anyone out there listening. Got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Going to be starting on the Twisted Tales of Felix the Cat, releasing them soon. My friend Matt here is going to be joining me for an episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can, you hear the crowd, don't you?
1: <laughs> all right. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's all you have to plug because I think you do more than one podcast. Why not? So, it's all yours. Plug on everything and anything you want to plug away on.
0: Well, I also want to mention the Freakazoid podcast. I'm going to... Definitely try to have out this year. That's who I have so many cool people on it. Uh, my friends, Mr. Ray and Trent from The Nightmare on Fear Street did an episode. Returning friend Lisa from Sass and Sips, who's also on the Felix the Cat podcast, is joining me. It's going to be a great time. Please, conversations with Robbie Sherman, look us up on Twitter. We're uh, We're hosted on Anchor, so we're also on Spotify and Apple as well.
1: Uh, i'm gonna be a guest uh, pretty soon so that's exciting
0: yeah i can't wait to have you friend
1: well i want to thank you all for joining us and uh, if you could also like my podcast give it a five-star review that'd be great and share it i appreciate it and if you have any thoughts or inputs or ideas or you're a podcaster or just a regular comic fan who wants to come on the show hit me up on twitter facebook let me know you can even find me on hive uh, i'm all lowercase matt spectro but uh
0: I'm Some also the, on Hive. Maybe if you follow me, I'll be more committed to it.
1: <laughs> Some of the weird stuff I've seen on there lately, I've been using it a little bit less, less and less, but but I still do check in on my Hive account as well. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks again, Robbie. And I want to thank you all for listening and join us again next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro, the Multiverse, everyone.